Well, hey there, handsome. This is Katie Townsend, and I portray Kate in Fallout 4, and this is The Great Fallout Debate, brought to you by Take This Studios. I don't want to set the world on fire I just want to start a flame in your Everybody and welcome to the Great Fallout Debate. War. War never changes. Uh, I'm going to be representing myself, Spencer, at Espacio1316 on all social media. I think that Fallout 3 is the best Fallout game. And Lee... Uh, I am at Necromance Lee on everything. And I think Fallout New Vegas is the only Fallout game. Okay. Oh. oh. And, okay. and Josh. Since two, at least. Uh, I'm at J Shoemaker Dev on Twitter, and that's the only thing you can follow me on. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Fallout 4 is what I am representing. And so we are going to go through uh, categories to try to give our top fives of each game to try to prove, persuade, or just make our case that maybe our favorite game is the best game. Uh, we'll be going through companions, side quests, locations, voice acting, gameplay, um, DLC, main story quests, and then we have a bonus round at the end for just mods that we love because we like to make sure everyone knows you can mod these games. I mean, if Samoa Joe knows how to mod his Fallout games and Skyrim games, then everyone should know. Do you think he puts himself in his Fallout games? <laughs> He's got to. He's going to have the music every time. Like He just changes it. He actually, I, li- I watched him do a top five, not to go bleed into the wrestling podcast that we do. But I watched Samoa Joe do a top five, actually, on YouTube earlier today, where he Skyrim was his number one game of all time. Number three was Fallout, and he just rounded it to Fallout 4 because it was the newest one. He meant just the franchise was his favorite. Because he would just mod them like crazy. He said all the mods is what made it his favorite. And I'm like, because you're in it. I wonder <laughs> if he has a mod that every time a death claw is coming, you just hear, Joe, 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 in the <laughs> dun, background. Dun, dun. I think that'd be kind of fun. That'd be great. <laughs> anyway, we are going to start the podcast now for real. I'm going to go first. This is stage one, Companions. I met an atheist who worked for a charity the other day. She said it was a non-profit organization. Uh, Fallout 3, Companions. My top five, number five, Clover. The slave female that had the, um, uh, had the obsessive nature to Eulogy Jones until you freed her. Um, in Paradise Falls. I don't know if you remember that, but it wasn't... Like, in Fallout 3, none of the companions were really main quest people, so you didn't have to run into them. Clover was great. It was a great dynamic. She was an evil companion. You didn't have to have evil karma, because that was a thing in Fallout 3. Uh, You didn't have to have evil karma to gain her. That was cool. Number four was Jericho. You did have to have evil karma to gain him. He was in Megaton, so you couldn't get the evil karma, like, easy way out, because you couldn't just go blow up Megaton and become evil. You had to go be evil with choices, and then get Jericho, and then bam. Uh, he was a former raider. He was super messed up. He was really cool, though. Then Butch. Rivet City from Vault 101. He's a tunnel snake. That's all I need to say, but I'll say more. Uh, because you didn't have to activate him as a companion at all. If you don't go back to Vault 101 for a side quest that is completely optional, then he never activates as a companion, and he never escapes Vault 101 and goes to Rivet City to be like a terrible barber or whatever. 
Uh, number two is dog meat because dog meat's great. I loved it in the DLC where they added it to where dog meat's puppies showed up in front of Fallout 101 because I always felt really bad. Like a human dying is one thing, but I took this dog with me. It is my responsibility. Every time dog meat died, I feel like Iron Man in Infinity War when Spidey is just kind of like crumbling before him and he's like, oh my god, this is all my fault. Major spoiler, by the way. It's a little late. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then number one is Fox. My favorite is Fox because he's a super, super mutant. He is super strong. He is super great. His lines are super dumb. And um, I like super mutants up until I played the Fallout um, board game. And then the super mutant failed me. But Fox is my favorite. Fox is great. If you don't know who Fox is, he's basically a, a, um, a version of Strong that they put, you know, <laughs> they put time into. Lee, your top five favorite companions. All right, top five favorite companions, starting at number five, is Eddie, which is the robot. Um, Eddie is one of those fun characters that you can completely miss uh, if you just don't happen to ever go in Johnson Nash's shop in Prim in Fallout New Vegas, but he's one of the most rewarding and actually has a lot of really fun quests and references to uh, Fallout 2, uh, yeah. specifically, and a lot of like Enclave lore and stuff. So he really is a, a good companion that he ties can, you to the rest. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of the host of this. I don't mean to interject, but I just like to throw out little facts. I'm kind of the host because I know Fallout 3 is already going to lose. Okay? <laughs> I already know this. Going in, spoilers, Fallout 3 won't win this. They just won't. <laughs> Eddie does a quest involving the Enclave that's great. I love that choice. Continually, I'm sorry. Uh, the other thing about Eddie is uh, this is actually in mods. Uh, Eddie makes noises when you initiate combat, and uh, it's... Some fun little music and stuff. One of my favorite mods, this is Bleeding Over Freddy, was you get to take sound files from movies and TV shows and have him play various sound effects. Uh, I had 400 at one point, so you may be going into battle and he kills something and just goes, terminated, uh, or just various other things. So he's a lot of fun to carry around, and they actually, um, in the Lonesome Road DLC, made a second version of him basically because of how popular he was. Yeah. Uh, number four is Lily. Lily uh, is a very interesting character. Uh, she's a nightkin that suffers from schizophrenia and actually has an alternate uh, personality called Leo. And you really learn a lot about Lily as a companion. She has a pretty deep story um, because you find out that she was just a, a grandmother who was um, really just attacked and transformed against her will by the uh, the Master's army, so it ties back into Fallout 1 there. Um, so she actually has a kind of a tragic story, but is still a, um, a very fun companion uh, to, to have around. Number three is Cass, uh, Rose of Sharon Cassidy. She has a, a uh, basically an intrigue quest that turns into a revenge quest, or you can completely betray her, never learn anything about her, and get her murdered. Uh, so it's really, the, and that leads into, uh, something else we'll talk about later in the gameplay section, but with Cass, you have a companion that you can, once again, completely bypass. You may just think she's just a, a bitch in a bar who's just mean to you, uh, and you not look any further into it, but you'd be missing out. Number two is Boone. Boone is a very interesting companion. Uh, he's one of two snipers in Novak in a dinosaur mouth. And at first, he will be very standoffish and hostile. The very first thing you do is have help him assassinate a uh, seemingly innocent old woman who just runs a, a hotel there uh, by firing a sniper rifle out of a dinosaur's mouth, which is interesting. 
Uh, but you come to find out that this woman sold his wife and unborn child into slavery. So you find out that the uh, the whole core of the town is rotten through Boone. And uh, he's a very interesting companion. He's one of the only... They didn't do a karma system in, in New Vegas the same way they did in others, but he is one companion that if you go anywhere near the Legion, uh, do not have Boone with you if you want to do their quest because he immediately will start murdering them. Uh, and number one is Arcade Ganon. I think Arcade is the best companion. Um, there are other good ones. Obviously, any one of them in the game uh, is good. There's not one that I, I don't enjoy. Uh, even temporary ones such as Sunny Smiles, they're all like fun people. But Arcade um, is very interesting. He plays everything very close to the chest. You find out there's a whole lot more to him. He's actually grew up in the Enclave. Um, he is a homosexual character. That is, it's interesting the way that he uh, is very self-depreciating about that in the Wasteland. He works with the followers of the Apocalypse, even though he is not like religious in any sense whatsoever. Uh, but you really have some very interesting choices with him. And as an evil character, um, his betrayal that can happen and ultimately the uh, ending of this companion is one of the saddest things that you can find in, uh, in video games, in my opinion, um, because he will ultimately uh, commit suicide if you um, betray him, which is very, very, very sad. But that's why I, I that's the companions I like the most in uh, New Vegas. I, I warned Josh like a couple of days ago. I was talking to him about this podcast, and I was like, if he pulls out Arcade Ganon, voiced by Shazam himself, right? It's gonna be game over. Like I was like, Arcade Ganon is such a deep character, and it's such a good voice actor. And it's like he was a major star then. He was doing Chuck at the time of Fall mm -hmm. New Vegas. So yeah, I was just uh, that was a really good list. I like that, Josh. Your list. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I'll. My first one, which will be five, um, is you know, shared across all of them, but would be uh, probably dog meat, um, because of how well they did him in this game. They uh, did improve. He feels like a lot more alive. He's not just some mesh that's following you around, like right at your butt the entire game. He actually interacts with the world, he interacts with enemies. He'll find enemies and stuff for you. So that's why I would put him on there uh, as my number five. He's a good five. boy. Uh, Nick Valentine. Uh, obviously very interesting, you know, deep character. Uh, has a nice story to tell with him being a synth in a world that... You know, Love the voice him. actor, too, because yeah. it's it's the same one who does Luke and Valerian and a lot of other voices in Skyrim. So I like that the voice actor has a recognizable voice, but still put on that old, you know, private dick kind of voice. It was just really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he, he has a lot of uh, stuff to his quest and everything, too. Uh, next one, McCready. Uh, because he goes all the way back to Fallout 3, actually, as the mayor of Little Lamplight, uh, who actually took Little Lamplight by force when he punched uh, the woman who was in charge before because she wanted everyone to call her princess and put all these other kind of crazy rules in place. Yeah. Uh, and he, he kept that attitude of not liking incompetence. Uh, and you find out there's a lot of depth to his, his backstory of when he left Little Lamplight, when he was in the Capital Wasteland, the family he had, how he lost his wife, uh, and how his son got really sick from when he lost his wife. They were in a metro station where she got attacked by ghouls and he got infected by some kind of disease that no doctor has a cure for. And you know, His side quest is finding that cure, getting it sent back to his homestead in the Capital Wasteland. Yeah. Uh, so it's really cool to be able to explore that character that spans two games. You know, find that in two areas, it makes the, yeah. the world feel kind of connected as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next uh, would be Curie. It's a really you know neat personality to have around. This you know robot that you know, gets to become almost human. Uh, it's obviously awesome. Uh, and 
Piper might be a little too cliche to say, but uh, she's the one that I had most of the time, and she really helped. Her, her charm and her character made you feel not so alone in the wasteland. It really felt like a real person. Great voice actress, too. She, yeah, definitely, and she I like her interactions with the world. Yeah. That the world would react to her like she has her own reputation. It's not just everything's about you. Yeah, and the whole, you know, feel the burn personality that I have, she definitely embodies. So it's one reason I liked having her around. Those those are my my five for. Uh, All right, we kept it simple during during <laughs> that round. Okay, cool. Um, of course, there's not really a it's not really a grading system. This is this is opinions. However, anyone listening can totally tell us who they think wins. But you already have that in your mind because you know what you like uh, as far as those three games. Yeah, we're not swaying anybody. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think we could eventually. But there's going to be people mad about who we choose for different things on the companions and quests and stuff. Speaking of quests, our next segment, side quests. I'll go through my top five side quests in an abbreviated fashion. Um, Number five, our little secret. Uh, if you know what that is, you know it's. It, it probably makes you think of Andale. It probably think, makes you think of eating people, and it probably makes you makes you think of the li- best little place on earth. It's uh, it's the the quest where you go across this city named Andale, or and there's two families that live there, and there's an old man that keeps telling you these people are really messed up, and uh, then you find out in the in one of their basements, oh, they've been eating people, and they're like, hey, are you cool? Are you cool? Or are you not? You're not cool. And uh, that was a really neat quest because it was like the first really twisted quest I ran across in Fallout 3. Um, number four, the replicated man. Basically the origin story to Fallout 4. The android running around. And they called him android. But they called him synth like twice during dialogue. But mostly he was called an android in Fallout 3. Um, but uh, yeah, he was running around uh, thinking he was a security guard at Rivet City. And then you had the option to tell him who he was. Or to throw the people off the trail uh, that were looking for him. They were from the Institute. Um, or you could help them capture him. So you had a, a few different cool options. Uh, number three, the Wasteland Survival Guide. Basically, run around and experience all that Fallout 3 really was meant to offer. This was kind of like the... Uh, this is almost like a tutorial quest. It's like a very expanded tutorial. And it's very expanded tutorial. Um, but it was it, it was it was amazing. It was great. It lets you see all the sites uh, outside of the main quest. And also, the strategy guide was called the Wasteland Survival Guide. So yeah. that was really neat. Uh, number two, Those. Uh, is a reference to the 1950s sci-fi movie, Them, where there's giant ants everywhere. And you have to figure out what's going on with these giant ants. They're killing people. Then you, you trace them back to their queen. I like the reference to the old movie. I like the quest itself. And ants are something I personally missed. I really liked in Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas. Um, and then, number one, the reference to my favorite movie of all time, probably, you got to shoot them in the head. My favorite movie of all time is Night of the Living Dead, and this reference to them is, is very different. You're not hunting zombies, per se. You are hunting a lot of people around the wasteland. Again, what, this is one of those quests that sends you all over to hunt down, like, Dave from the Republic of Dave. Or Tenpenny from Tenpenny Tower. And he, if you go to Tenpenny, he will, if you speech check him, he'll offer you a counteroffer. Hey, why don't you go kill this man that wants everyone dead? And I'll pay you more. 
And it's a neat quest. I love that quest. There's my five favorite side quests. Of course, some, a couple of my favorite quests are in the main story, so they didn't count here. But these are my five favorite side quests. Lee, New Vegas. So in New Vegas, the side quests I like a lot. Um, one relates to Eddie, and it's called Eddie My Love, which is a very, very fun quest because you can't just do it. There's no quest marker. Um, it is activated only through dialogue with specific people. Uh, you'll Oops. just be going around the wasteland, and then all of a sudden, um, Eddie starts spouting out a voice recording from someone from the Enclave, and you're like, what's going on here? So it's one of those fun quests where you can't just have a marker and do it, but you experience it organically, and you, you learn a lot about people uh, through specific triggers that they say. So that's a, that's a pretty fun quest. Uh, another one I like is one of the first quests that you'll get that's a side quest. You don't have to do it. Uh, but that is Ghost Town Gunfight. Ghost Town Gunfight's a lot of fun because you, you wake up, uh, basically should be in the debt of Doc Mitchell uh, in Good Springs, and the town is kind of pitched together to help you or, you know, somewhat. They've taught you, you know, how to survive, and uh, they're having a bit of a problem with the Powder Ganger faction, and you can choose to either screw the town over completely and, you know, to make money and get in good with the uh, more powerful Raider gang, uh, or you can help the town out and kind of come out as uh, the protagonist from the song Big Iron and just kind of have that showdown and uh, take them out. So it's a, it's a really well, fun first quest that completely sets up um, what kind of character you're going to be because you can be a good character or a bad character or you can pl completely say, well, that sucks, uh, and be on your way and ignore it. Checks too. It has really a neat. ton of checks, yeah. like a ton of checks. Uh, another one that I love is I Don't Hurt Anymore, and that is one that you get at Camp McCarran. And uh, it's a quest that really kind of, in the best way a video game can, especially from that era, details PTSD and how it works. Uh, you have a person who thinks they're fine. They think everything's okay, but their personality is completely changed and everyone around them has noticed that since a traumatic uh, event, which is very graphic um, you know, and detailed in the game there, uh, one person has not been the same and you can kind of help them uh, cope with it Although, ultimately, it shows that they're never really going to be the same again, no matter what you do. Uh, so that's actually a really interesting one. Another one I love is Cold, Cold Heart. Uh, that quest actually relates somewhat to the main quest, but is a bit of foreshadowing. Uh, and it's very interesting in that all you have to do is deliver a message. Um, so you're presented a choice of a terrible scene, and uh, a character tells you, hey... Uh, you need to go back and show everybody what we did here, and uh, you can. And it's uh, basically just a mission showing the uh, demoralization of one uh, faction by another, and it's, it's very interesting because uh, it kind of really does a good job of setting up both factions and showing the differences in the NCR and the Legion, and that one is not necessarily good over the other, but there's a lot of gray. But I think the absolute best side quest in New Vegas, and I don't even think this is debatable, is The Legend of the Star. Uh, it is such an interesting quest because the, uh, the unique drink to the uh, you know, Vegas area there is Sunset Sarsaparilla. And early on, you will just pick up a random cap. It's, it's nothing you even really have to do. And you're approached by a man who, uh, named uh, Malcolm Holmes who tells you, hey, you know, that's kind of special there, and you learn that there's a quest that you can go back and there's a treasure you can get at the old Sunset Sarsaparilla factory. But he warns you to look out for a man named Alan Marks because he kills people and steals their stars. Well, you may just try to go and do the quest, or you may not and stuff. You, you can gain the caps eventually enough, 
and you talk to old Festus, and uh, you learn a very valuable lesson that, uh, you know, treasure is really in the uh, the eye of the beholder, but it's a very <laughs> it's a very fun quest, I love that ultimately. Quest. I but that's my side quest. quest, so. Joshua, Fallout 4, side quest. So, number five, you might not be able to count it as a side quest, but it is worthy of noting. Um, it's a random encounter. Uh, you can be anywhere in the wasteland. It really doesn't matter where you are. Um, and you'll just see overhead this big uh, trail of smoke go through the sky. Okay. Yeah, you can uh, count that. Okay. And uh, you, you have no idea what it is. You, it's very far off from wherever you started. And you go and you find out and you explore that it's actually an alien spaceship with uh, an alien still alive. Reference to the Fallout uh, 3 DLC. Mothership Zeta, yeah. It's the only time you can get the alien blaster. I believe you had to have like a pretty high luck to even qualify to get that, though. You really? had to, yeah, there was a, a certain threshold you had to hit before it would show or something. I always kept pretty high luck anyway, right. so that's probably why I saw it every. Like, yeah, because I, I noticed that and I looked it up. I think it is like you have to have like, I think it's six luck at least or something like that. Oh. So. I wish they would have done a little more with it, but it was still nice to at least get that gun and a yeah. nice homage. And you know, you can't actually really know where it is, so you don't really know where to put the markers. You just like, I can't do anything else. Got to stop doing all my quests and follow that trail of smoke and never turn. <laughs> uh, that's that's how I did it anyway. Um, the fourth one I would say would probably be uh, Silver Shroud. Silver Shroud. Give uh, the shirt. Yes, give a nice explanation story to the sh- Silver Shroud. Uh, really gets you. Um, into, uh, I guess, more of Fallout that you never really would have thought to, to get into, um, like the mythology behind it and everything. Like yeah, actual role, fun quest actual, too, actual yeah. role playing in Fallout yeah. 4, yeah. actually. You're role playing someone who's role playing, so it's like, yeah. it's, it's pretty fun. Meta. Uh, then would probably be uh, Road to Freedom, because it was a very, like, you didn't necessarily have to get into that. You kind of stumble upon it when you're in the uh, Boston Commons. Uh, it's near where. Uh, Swan is right. That's where you find it. Right. Oh, you mean the, oh, that's the where Freedom you Trail? Where you, freedom the, trail. Yeah, where you, yeah, where you find the. Yeah. Uh, you just overhear thing. some stuff about it and stuff. Yeah. 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 The uh, railroad. It, yeah. Uh, I actually don't have five. I just have that. Well, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I, I did one thing. I will give to Fallout Four on that with the side quests is that I like that they did uh, more radiant kind of random quests in that, like the flying saucer or like uh, there you can run upon a. Uh, uh, a person arguing with a copy of themselves, you know, because one of them's a synth and you have to try ah, to figure yeah. it out. And, you know, there was a lot more stuff like that. So it felt like the world was, you know, alive around you and stuff. Yeah. And that, those kind of immersive encounters are pretty nice. So, yeah. Oh, the other one I did have um, was that tower when you first meet Strong, that tower of all those super mutants that you have to go up. Uh, that one was like actually one of the most challenging uh, dungeon type with the, areas with the radio broadcast and everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I love Super Mutant, cool. so yeah, that's, yeah. Fine. that's, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Um, I, I actually really like that. Those are good choices. Um, actually, probably my favorite quest from New Vegas is going to have to do with the Ultra Lux mm. and that investigation to the cult of you. You really like cannibals. <laughs> I, I do. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And then Fallout 4, my favorite side of quest on that one, um, it probably would have been, actually probably the alien thing just because of the callback. Like that, that, That's a really good choice too. Um, um, but now we're going to move on to our next section. Locations slash settings. Gary. 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 Um... Of course, you can give examples for the setting itself or specific locations. I gave five specific, four specific locations. One kind of setting, 
with a specific location in it. Uh, my number five is a Little Lamplight. It's a town full of children who have one rule. Uh, once you turn 18, you have to leave. You have to go to Big Town because now you're a big person. And uh, you are kicked out. And, of course, Mayor McCready, who sits back up in Fallout 4, he runs this little town. They all kind of suck, except for, I mean, you can't kill them, so they're just there to annoy you, except for a couple that are really nice. Um, uh, it's, the story behind it's really neat, the fact that the teachers try to bring them to safety, and then the teachers, uh, they start dying off, and their students were just left to fend for themselves, and that just became the way it was. Adults didn't live there. Children could survive there, and that was it. Um... Except for that they were cannibals. They would trade stuff for strange meat. They didn't know it was human meat. Uh, number four, speaking of cannibals and strange meat, is Andale. Uh, of course, I just talked about that um, uh, with the quest Our Little Secret. Um, Andale, of course, houses two families of, of cannibals and an old man. You can wind up killing these two families of cannibals and their children can be raised by the old man. And that is the, probably the best ending, killing these two children's parents. It's messed up. Uh, number three, uh, Gary... Vault 108 with all the Gary clones. Love it. I love it. I actually watched a streamer on Twitch uh, named uh, Devin, and she uh, all of a sudden, sometimes she'll say something, she'll say Gary, and then all of her comments from the people, they'll only speak in Gary, and it's great. It's, he's, like a, he's like a human Pokemon. I love Gary. Uh, I, I worked with the Gary. Actually, I probably worked with two Garys, and I would only say their name like that. Gary. 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 I just say that all the time. Number two, Rivet City. It's just great. It's a really good hub. Uh, the fact that this is a city built around science, and then they figured out how to fortify themselves afterwards, that was a really neat concept. Um, the whole idea of the ship becoming this town, is, is all of it's really neat. Fall is really good and creative with their cities. Um, and, of course, you know it's got one of the best quests and one of my favorite companions. So, uh, And then number one, though DC Mall, most specifically the Underworld. Um, it was. It used to be the old museum of natural history. Uh, it actually has a bar named the Ninth Circle, and I'm a huge Dante's Inferno fan, so it's Josh. Uh, and then uh, th there's a ghoul there named Azrakul that has a slave ghoul named Crom, uh, not Crom, Sharon. I don't want to have fire on the brain, but Sharon, and Sharon actually can be bought and. Sharon immediately kills his former owner because his former owner was a prick. Of course, now you bought him, you own him, he could do the same right back to you, but that's kind of the dilemma. Is you just bought a human that just killed his own master, now what do you do? Uh, so, number one uh, is Underworld for me. Lee, what's your uh, New Vegas top five location settings? Uh, so, setting one is just the place you start, Good Springs. Like I said, I think it's a good little starting area. I do love that. It has a different vibe. Um, it immediately lets you know that it's different than the other Fallout games, that there's no more vaults and stuff like that that you're, you're really coming out of. You're just in kind of a more of an Old West-type town. Um, it is also cool because it's a real-world location, and you know they, they really got quite a few of the little details right. The so details that's are fun. still the same, too. They it's, kept it the it's same. It's really fun. Um, Red Rock Canyon is another one I like just because it looks completely different. Uh, you feel like you're really traveling somewhere else. You are kind of getting that uh, Arizona vibe a little bit at that point. Is that point. the Joshua Graham DLC? Uh, no, no. Red Rock Canyon's where like the cons live and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, okay. That's my yeah. vibe. My and then, all, well, also I would say that I like I like those kind of like uh, Aryan uh, Honest Hearts as well. But yeah. like I just like the canyons and stuff like that because they often have like really tough enemies. It, it felt like a real yeah. like kind of drag to yeah. go through and stuff. Oh, um, Casadors. Yeah, man, they were rough. Uh, Hoover Dam is cool because yeah. it's like not only the place that people are fighting over, but it's this 
huge structure and you can explore on top of it and inside of it yeah and and like there's actually some cool stuff inside of it uh, that you can find number four is actually from the dlc and that's big mountain uh big mountain research facility itself is very good for a sciencey or tech junkie type character because you kind of have everything and um there's quite a few mods like eleanora's sink which is very like very good that make it feel like probably the best player home and it has a talking fucking toaster yeah he's gonna Um, burn the world down and that's amazing uh but like the top one i'd have to say in fallout new vegas is new vegas like the actual city itself though it wasn't fully realized with what they wanted it to be i still really think that it has so much to offer uh it feels completely different um you get the feeling of detachment from the rest of the wasteland because while you're there well I don't have to worry about mutants and, you know, scorpions and all this other kind of stuff. Like, you know, you don't feel like you're in the wasteland anymore. It it feels like a slice of civilization, almost a what-could-have-been type scenario. And uh, I I really like that. I think it gives it a lot of really cool different locations and settings. Every area has depth, even, like, where you would buy guns Mm -hmm. from those twins. Like, that has a lot of depth and storage. Oh, yeah, yeah. And even on the outskirts and stuff, when you get into, like, Freeside and stuff like that, um, especially, oh my god, the Atomic Wrangler is yeah. one of the funniest places because you can re- you, you can recruit some new talent yeah. uh, to their, you know, for their brothel uh, that includes a robot named Fisto that you can check yourself, uh, a ghoul, uh, cowgirl, and a smooth-talking guy. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of, a lot of things going on there. Uh which is it's really it's really an interesting location. It is neat. But that's uh, that's the locations and settings I like. Joshua, Fallout Four location settings. Your top ones that you liked. Well, five would actually be again going back to uh, Swan Lake because um, you can get there really early in the game. Like you can get there at level three if you really rush yourself there, and then there's this huge behemoth that can just one shot you where yeah. you're at. But everywhere around you have uh, bodies of raiders, and you have uh, blood painted signs saying away. Swan, turn back, all of this, you know, warning you is like you should get away. But then you don't heed those warnings. Yeah. Oh, and also one problem if you are a little higher level, you can just go easily kill the behemoth that doesn't really level with your characters, you know, kind of static. Uh, second, or fourth, uh, would probably be, I'll, I'll first say the Institute. Um, you know, very, very clean area, very, very, you know, massive and like you feel the powerful entity. Uh, is behind this uh, and then on top of that I would go with a pretty one um, because it you finally actually feel like you are part of the brotherhood in Fallout 3 you didn't have that real sense of we are something powerful uh, but with the pretty one and yeah, you kind of felt like it. you were always an outsider yeah you know uh, yeah. Yeah, and of course being able to overlook you know the entire right. wasteland is you know something epic on um, PC anyways oh yeah, yeah. On PC. Well, I played on console you don't do that you, you see a landmass in water. You see some fog. Okay. <laughs> All right. But... Uh, then I would actually um, probably say the castle, uh, just because I, I this goes in, partly into gameplay, but I love um, the ability what you could do um, building up building. that civilization. It's a fun uh, boss fight too. Yeah, and boss fight was great, uh, but it offers a lot of versatility since it was actually a really uniform area. You could build a really nice civilization base. I always like going through with the uh, flamethrower too and pretend I was in like aliens, like Ali- <laughs> Ellen Ripley, just kind of like burning away all these like nests yeah. and stuff. So yeah, it's it's an interesting little thing. Uh, then I think fair to say number two would be Diamond City itself. 
uh, and everything. Like you really feel like this is a nice, the green gem of civilization of the entire wasteland. It was a really good city. Yeah. yeah, really good city and like really well fortified. Uh, you actually felt safe in there, kind of like with New Vegas. You know, it did feel secluded. Right. It's crazy. Are all of our number ones? Was like that was oh, two. Oh, number two. Okay. Yeah. Well, keep so going. When, number one is just the Boston area in general. Um, that might be unfair to say no, since it's so big, but no. uh, the complexity. I mean, if you like twenty four frames per second because you don't know how to optimize your PC, it's great. <laughs> hey, the we've never had a problem. The complexity that went through designing those city streets and those alleys and the where the places that raiders set up camp—they really made like actual good defense positions for these raiders it was hard to kill these raiders you could tactfully find ways of sneaking in oh especially like when they were all on the roof and oh, stuff yeah. like that and, like oh, you had uh, several areas where they had like sky buckets that would go between the two yeah. and you know they're just sniping you before you yeah. can even get anywhere near them like it was a constant war zone yeah, it, was, yeah. it was great and it, it was always like treacherous to go through it so that would be my number one that's all neat our next uh our next one, I kind of want to just like lay down my sword and give it to Lee, but I have a couple of nukes. Um, our next section is voice acting. What am I? A podcast. Of course, Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas, your main character was not voice acted, um, but their casts were made up of a lot of movie star type people, including in Fallout 3, your dad was played by Liam Epping Neeson. All right? All right? He was taken. Roll reverse. He took himself and he had to go save him. <laughs> He was great. He actually did really good. It is not like when you play Metal Gear Solid Five and you hear um, what's Keith Sutherland kind of phone it in and be awful. No, Liam Neeson tried. He did well. And then his and his antagonist, the antagonist for the whole game, President John Henry Eden, was played by Malcolm McDowell. That Malcolm McDowell. It's amazing that these two. Were, were the main protagonist for all intents and purposes that was voiced and main antagonist and it was just it was crazy it was great I should stop there but I want to bring up Amada uh, Odette Annabelle um, she was she's basically a Megan Fox who can act but she was in that horror movie The Unborn she was really hot didn't know what happened I don't know why she didn't continue to make movies but she's not popular anymore but when Fallout 3 came out she had that movie as well so it was like trying to grab a rising star and then like she didn't get into the Transformers movies so she didn't rise um, but that's it I have three I have three alright Lee New Vegas voice acting I, I didn't do a top five on this one all I put was could it be any better <laughs> god he did Chandler Bing from the beginning <laughs> uh, I'm just saying you know that was that's really interesting just from the very beginning like it feel, like it sounds really cool when you just have that soliloquy at the beginning with him and the gun, and it's just the game was rigged from the start. This game was rigged from the start. <laughs> this section was rigged from the start. No, you knew Vegas is stacked. The very first person, even the voice acting from uh, Doc Mitchell, who actually also plays General Tullius in Skyrim, is very interesting because those are two completely different characters. Right. You have a pacifist doctor in like the old west, and then you have like. A mil an imperial military general and another one so it's always fun to hear how Bethesda does in fact reuse voice actors but give them completely different things to do um, but I like Doc Mitchell's voice everyone around like you know even some voices are overused but the companions themselves all are very different you had Felicia Day as you know Veronica, Veronica. like one of your like, she was my favorite I mean Boone's voice is very good Arcade uh, I mean, yeah, you know, Shazam. Danny Trejo was a ghoul. Danny, I mean, that's the whole thing. So there was just some really amazing like voice actors in it and stuff because they 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 went more for 
I would say, like, they didn't sacrifice quantity or quality on the voice acting. They provided um, both. Those but I feel like all the... Yeah, That's why I can't make another fog game. <laughs> I feel like all the celebrity uh, voices that they got, they got people who actually gave a shit. They did. And it definitely did. comes through, uh, and it, it it sounds like it. But you know, that's that's one thing I just gotta say for voice acting is, yeah, we didn't have anyone of the top tier caliber as Fallout Three, but I think that we did overall. They didn't go for two double A listers. Like, yeah. Malcolm McDowell at the time had the Halloween series, and Liam right. Neeson's still a double A uh, lister. But they went for B-plus across the board, and now, over time, Danny Trejo, you could say, was A then. Right. Um, Arcade Gain in the day now. Especially if you love From Dust Till Dawn and yeah. movies like that. So um, At the time, he had Machete. Like, mm-hmm. he had stuff going on. Like, big movies coming out in theaters. Uh, Felicia Day is still, everyone considers her a B-plus. And she hasn't acted, except for one episode in Supernatural every year. She hasn't acted in years, really. She's kind of stayed off the radar. Well, she started, like, Geek and Sundry, which is she's Geek and Sundry, arguably great doing very well thing. right now. So, But it's, she's, like, more about, you know, raising her daughter now. So mm-hmm. it's like, but she's still, everyone thinks of Felicia Day. They're like, oh, yeah. Felicia Day, obviously. And it's like, I still think of her as the, the recruit in Buffy Season 7, but... I still think of her in, uh, you know, Dr. Horrible, but... Yeah, Dr. Horrible's handling yeah. blog, um, Penny. Um, but anyway, great cast. Josh, have fun following Fallout New Vegas with your Fallout 4 voice cast, but I know Fallout 4 does have a talented voice cast. Well, The Apocalypse, well, hell, sign me up, <laughs> is one of my favorite lines of all time, and it was in Fallout 4. <laughs> Uh, well, first, at number five, I mean, it really goes to the two people, and it's not like their voice acting was that great, but I want to give tribute to um, the direction that Fall is going in general, is the Avatars actually having a voice. And I, I believe they did fairly well. And I, I know that you're not a big uh, fan of um, I just don't, I don't like voice protagonists in RPGs, but that's just me. But they did a good job. Yeah, they no, had I, a voice I thousands well. of hours. And I, I was, you know, suspicious at first, but I actually felt more connection to first off my character and then the other characters by them having a voice that's what it did that for me I think, you know what I don't even think the voice protagonist was really the problem I had I, I think it was the fact that the, the dialogue will no. was basically why yes sarcastic yes and I'll do it later was basically what every single choice boiled down to um, and that's You're the only wrong. thing that bothered me was I wouldn't mind a voice protagonist if you could basically tell Preston to you know fuck off Instead of like basically, I don't know. Ask me when. Ask me in like ten hours when I've run out of other quests. I, I can't remember exactly where they came from, but the two main voice protagonists, I believe, both of them have been various voices, various voices. Literally, that was their title in tons of games before, right. including other Bethesda titles. So Bethesda knew them. They knew they could rely the, on them. The lady that does hers, she's going to be a Dragon Con. I can't remember I know. her name. Yeah, I'm yeah, actually going to look it up right now, too. But anyway, continue your list while oh. he looks at it. So with the rest of them, it's not that I necessarily know names very well. But um, I chose them because I think their voices and their acting really speak true to what their character is. Yeah. Uh, above, like, you know, their That is a good choice. Yeah, okay. Um, so I actually think Valentine. Um, oh, he, he Courtney Taylor. I'm sorry, it's Courtney Taylor. She was uh, Jack in Mass Effect. So. Yeah, she was Jack. That's what she was. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. anyway, Nick Valentine. Nick Valentine portrayed exactly what he was supposed to be. This old school, tough guy detective. Yeah. Perfectly. His voice completely fitted his attitude, the way he uh, enunciated everything he did. Um, uh, next, above that, I think McCready. I think he really uh, captured what the... Uh, the child you encountered in Little Lamplight, I think he really captured that still. He's still, I mean, he, you know, he's a tough guy like he was when he was a kid. He still shows signs of insecurity, 
course, we're going to get into his story, and there's some more depth. He's not just this sarcastic prick, um, even though he portrays that on the outside like he should very well. Um, He's kind of like their Peter Parker, but yeah. Then uh, the next match of that, I don't have a full list. Um, I will say Piper again, going again with my favorite companion. Uh, she felt like the genuine stick-it-to-the-man person every sentence she said you, you well you're gonna be you even had George Clooney as Paladin Dance I'm just kidding there's so many people that thought that was George Clooney for some reason I, don't, I, don't I just th- I thought that was a, like really Piper, funny Piper another person that came from Supernatural yeah like yeah. Felicia Day well, well, eventually went to but yeah uh, so what about Kate you've actually met her right oh wait no you ran away from her your brother yeah, her. last year at Dragon Con you were like, oh, I never, I never recruited her, and you walked away. Uh, <laughs> like, what a douche! You're the one in the actual vault suit. We're supposed to get a picture with her. So I just got her autograph yeah. and talked to her a little bit. Oh, neat. Yeah. Okay, I'll throw her on there. You, you did, like you, you owe her. I do. Definitely I do. do. So I'll give her number one. You, you Which actually snubbed a voice actress from the game that you're that you're repping right spoiler, now. Spoiler alert: she might be doing the intro to this podcast. Oh, neat. And you didn't list her. Oh man! Well, it is. He's my number one. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I I cannot tell you how many mods I downloaded for Kate because Kate was my absolute favorite companion. See, I really liked her. I really loved Kate. Like I would just give her a fucking chainsaw I and only... a hockey mask and just let her just go to town, man. I only played Mass Effect Andromeda for her. Well, uh, you know. Um, our next segment, speaking of poor gameplay, Mass Effect Andromeda, um, is gameplay. Our next segment is gameplay. Of course, Fallout 3 will be left in the dust because it was the first to do a lot of stuff, and Fallout 4 made it better. Fallout I thought you were supposed better. to be, like, persuading people on this I'm trying to, but I'm debating Fallout 3 versus Fallout 4. When you talk about gameplay and graphics, it's not going to work. That's why I left graphics off completely, because that just wasn't fair. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is time. That's just time. Uh, gameplay. Number one. Number five. Number one? I'm going out of order. Um, <laughs> it's the first to take the turn-based games and make it a shooter with VATS that still implemented turn-based uh, and that was actually a really neat concept to, to do that, to make, oh yeah, we can't completely ignore the history, but we do have to update it because games like Fallout 1 and 2 won't sell anymore. Look at Wasteland. It doesn't sell compared to a lot of indies in its, in, in its kind of style. So you've got to look at um, what you need to adapt to. They adapted to survive, but they did not sacrifice their past. That was really cool. Um, until now... Until Fallout 3. Uh, not many high-profile shooters had a f- strong narrative um, focused on player choice and dialogue trees. Like, that just wasn't a thing with shooters, really. Like, you had very few sprinkled here and there. And now it seems like everyone kind of wants to force it in there, almost. It's almost being forced into some shooters now. Uh, yeah, I remember when I, uh, a couple of years, uh, what was it, two years ago now? I played Black Ops 3. It's not a bad game. No. It's just some of the choices are very awkward. Yeah. And it was like... Oh, okay. So you could tell that they were really like, well, we need to let people say yes or no to this. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, whereas before it would just be like, here, soldier, here's a grenade launcher. Yes, sir. I'm shooting things. <laughs> now they're just be like, but do we have to? Yes. Okay. So it at least adds a little depth to your character. It makes them seem like they have remorse. True. Uh, number three uh, for me is... Um... A true free open world. I mean, when I first played through, I went straight from Megaton to Rivet City by swimming. Because I was like, I don't, I'm not good at combat. I'm support. And I just started swimming around stuff. Because I'm just, i not very good at video games. I play a bunch of them, but 
talent hasn't caught on to me yet. Um, I've never done anything like that in open world. That was the first time I'd done it. That's more of a personal thing. I never played the Elder Scrolls series until Skyrim. So that's just a personal thing, really. Uh, number four, choices mattered in that game so much. And that the, the way those choices mattered diminished a little bit in New Vegas and diminished a lot more in Fallout 4. Um, and no other Fallout game has the choices of so many side quests affected the world itself. Just side quests, just characters moving from one side to the other, and that wasn't just a few characters; that was a lot of characters. And um, it, it's, it's, it didn't have the like background stories for the companions, but it did have side quests that really shaped the world. I mean, you could one of your first quests, you could blow up a whole city. That is an actual really big, cool city, but you could just wipe it off the face of the earth in a side quest. That's not a main quest. Um, number five. Uh, speaking about the companions, the companions mattered. Uh, they didn't have the background missions, um, the, the, but what you lost in more story and more lore, you gained in the levity of losing a companion, the stress in a fight of, oh crap, let me go heal them, let me make sure I sacrifice some of my stim packs to them, dog meat, let me go save you real quick. Like that didn't exist in any other Fallout game. You never had the stress of having a companion that you appreciated and liked that could be taken away with one, um, one traitor trap. Raider traps mattered. It was like, ooh, more people to kill. It was like, oh crap, why, why is the raider trap happen now? Um, so that's that was really cool. Um, well, uh, anyway, Lee, New Vegas gameplay. Going on the gameplay, uh, I got to talk about several things. Number one is uh, I'll start with companions. Uh, the fact that companions were essential. Asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. I'll get into the Dang exceptions it. here. But companions, uh, you know, you didn't have to worry about them like just getting killed and murdered. They would get knocked out in combat, and yeah. you know it would be more of a tactical thing, but you could experience their story all the way through the end. So it was nice that companions were essential, except when they were, because you were screwing them over. Uh, you were being a person, and that brings me to two other things. One is you were a truly blank slate protagonist. Yep. It did not start with a, oh, you got to go find your dad. Well, what if I picked a character that looks like he's 99 years old and I want to play an old person with a lot of experience? Uh, too bad. You gotta go find your dad. Oh, okay. Maybe I have, like, that Benjamin Button disease or something. Um, <laughs> in Fallout New Vegas, you are truly a blank slate. You are simply shot in the head, and you can go after and get revenge. You can roleplay somebody who doesn't remember your past life. You can remember it vividly. You can, I mean, it could change your personality. You can really be whomever you want to be. You can be Wolverine. I've done that one a lot. And, like, you're healing because you're healing factor and stuff, but you have amnesia. It's, you know, they've never done that in the movies. They need to explore that. I think it's a pretty interesting concept. But you truly are a blank slate. You are your character. You do not have to be anyone, and that's something I appreciate. The other thing is you can truly role-play, and you can especially role-play an evil character. Now, Spencer thinks that blowing up an entire city is very evil, and it is. However, it's evil in the point of almost like a cartoon villain kind of thing where you're just twirling your mustache and sitting back with a stick of dynamite going, I'm going to blow up the city because this rich man, it, it obstructs his view. <laughs> and yes, that's evil, but almost on a comical scale. Fallout New Vegas is a lot more frightening because you can actually have that simple, everyday, good old-fashioned evil that we all come to know and love and ignore and see on the city streets and stuff. Maybe you simply don't help somebody, or maybe you see something and decide not to. Maybe you decide to do something advantageous. Maybe you're a good person and you just make a bad decision one time. 
The thing of it is, by having a separate karma system with each individual group, I felt that it was much more uh, interesting instead of just, well, you're a good person, you can't do this. Well, Paul and New Vegas never did that. It said, hey, good people can do evil and evil people can do good, and I love that. Uh, another thing, hardcore mode and crafting. Hardcore mode is one of my favorite things in games. I love playing Frostfall and like uh, camping, you know, campfire and stuff in Skyrim. I love hardcore mode in New Vegas. Uh, I love the fact that ammo waste stuff that you have to eat, you have to drink. That is like amazingly role, like good roleplay stuff. Crafting was awesome in that. There's two different benches. There's ammunition benches where you can actually feel like someone who knows a lot about firearms. You can make all kinds of different weapons. I played a character that was a shotgunner. You can literally pick one weapon and be the best at that, be it a six shooter or something. Uh, as a shotgun character, I got the shotgun surgeon perk, uh, which lets you do stuff. I got the knockback perk, or like and stay back, I think is what it's called. And I used to make my own ammo. So all the legion coins that you find, I would turn into coin shot. Uh, I would make dragon's breath, like fire rounds. I would make flechette ammo. So I had a character that would run around and just, I would change ammo type depending on what I needed to use. And that leads me to my last thing, gunplay. Fallout New Vegas, even to this day, I think is one of the best simulations of firearms that you can actually get. If you really want to know about guns and how they work and ballistics and stuff, Fallout New Vegas does an excellent job. It is very realistic. It had true iron sights, which is something Fallout 3 didn't have, which was one of its shortcomings, which is why they also used VATS, because it was a way that they could overcome that and also keep with lore. But but VATS was kind of more of an optional thing in New Vegas because you had real iron sights. Each gun felt completely different and unique. They reloaded differently. You had to keep them well-maintained and cleaned, otherwise they would like realistically jam based on the chance. You could make different weapons. They even had uh, small, simple facts. If you have a rifle that fires 223 ammo, you can also use 556. Uh, if you had a 357 Magnum, you can also use 38 Special. So realistic uh, ballistics thing actually could help you with the guns. Uh, the other thing came to like damage threshold and damage resistance and stuff. So it felt real. Uh, say you had someone and they had you know big armor on and all this kind of stuff. Well. If you're using flechette ammo and a shotgun, it's really going to penetrate that armor. So it was nice that you kind of had this uh, rock, paper, scissors thing and not just every gun feels the same. Okay, cool. Um, and so that was something I really liked is, you know, someone who used to actually shoot and, you know, uh, do cleaning and reloading, stuff like that. It was nice to actually see that in a game and really experience it that like, wow, whoever made this really actually knows, you know, they actually did a little bit of research um, to make it feel... Uh, like a shooter and that was like a lot of fun but that's it that's what i got joshua fallout 4 gameplay okay well um my number five would actually be i think fallout 4 has the best uh, type of uh, gun mechanics okay uh I, as well, far as the shooting mechanics i'll say as far as the way it feels compared to other first person shooters i think it feels more like them it's more natural to most gamers uh, that's the argument i'll make with that he has a little more depth to what he's saying, so I'm not going to touch it. They, they, they can coexist. They're mutually exclusive. Um, mine feels more like you know a normal first-person shooter game. Well, there are mods that add in the different ballistic types and stuff in Fallout 4 and make it closer. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say that Fallout 4 doesn't feel bad you know, at all. My fourth one is also comparing to him, uh, crafting. <laughs> Uh, and you know, modifying not like you know the external mods, but actually like modifying things like your power armor, uh, modifying your well, you can't really modify ammunition necessarily, um, but your guns and your. See, armor. they're so close too. They could have. They could have easily <laughs> yeah. done. Yeah, 
Because I will, I will concede that, yeah, the power armor, can't let him convert you. Well, okay, so, like, the, the little bit you can do to ammunition is, like, giving him, like, a plasma torque or something, you know. Uh, but, yeah, the modifications of the armor and the weapons are amazing. Like, it, so people, like, say, well, there's only so many uh, mix and matches that you can have, and it's like, they all kind of feel like the same guns. Like, they kind of do, uh, because they're all based off of the same you know, thing, like the pipe pistol, pipe rifle, and all that stuff. Um, but you can do a lot to them, and they each add their own small individual stats to it. And then when you get into the, the legendary stuff that you can find in the mod, uh, you, know, you get into something much more diverse with that. Yeah. Uh, then after that, which also part of crafting, would be uh, power armor. Completely you know, revolutionized in Fallout 4. It makes sense now. It's not just some people got mad that there were the fusion cells instead of the micro fusion cells, which they always had been. But I feel that's nitpicky personally. And it doesn't feel like you're just putting on a t-shirt and pants like in Fallout Four New Vegas. You know, it's just something. Fallout Three New Vegas. Or, I mean, Fallout uh, Three New Vegas that you just slip on. You actually get into this big machine that each yeah. has its individual parts. That I do break. wish that they had come back with training though, that you had to know a little bit about it or have like a minimum intelligence. That's that my kind one of thing. Would have been neat if yeah. like certain perks or something really did benefit you, um, right? For, for your uh, power armor. But being able like to you had to actually know where to plug it in. <laughs> you didn't just like automatically know to just take this nuclear fusion reactor and just well, slam it on in this hole. It does just help that your character is a former soldier that used That's, it in the okay, war. Unless you pick Nora, in which case you're She's an attorney, lawyer, yeah. so you have to assume that she dealt with a lot of like pain and suffering cases of like faulty fusion cores or, or something. Yeah. So. Or, you know, she's well-versed because of her husband. Or there's so. the mod that actually reverses him, and Nate was the lawyer, and she was the uh, veteran. You can do that, too. Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, power armor would be my third one. Uh, second is going to be... No, never mind, it's going to be first. So, uh, second is going to be the urban warfare that you get when fighting in the city, which goes, again, in the S settings, but it really is different from all the other games, the way you uh, face combat in this game. Yeah. Uh, sneaking is a lot more useful because there are so many avenues to escape and come at the enemy. Uh, and sneaking's not as easy as it used to be. You can't just be standing right there and shoot him in the face. You still can to some extent, but they did make it a little bit harder. Uh, but number one to me would be settlement building. Um, that is actually a mod that I had in New Vegas that I loved and I spent hours and hours and hours building settlements and when they made it official, in Fallout 4, that's mainly what I've spent my time How does it make you feel that I use Sim Settlements to just automate that? Oh, I did too. I did oh, too. good, yeah. good, good. A combination of Not this two. man. This man over here likes to hand-place every single hand bottle placed. shared. Well, I do that too, but, you know, I'll, I'll mix and match that. Because um, that, that's what, actually, I made my living off I'm, of. I'm playing Fallout. I'm not playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> I got Animal Crossing if I want to play it. I'm not the mayor here, people. All right? You got to handle it. Moving on to our next segment, uh, DLC. Primary targets. Any and all red Chinese invaders. Emergency Communist Acquisition Directive. Immediate self-destruct. Better dead than red. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Fallen 3's DLC, so I will go into um, my five favorites. Uh... Uh, number five, Mothership Zeta, the spaceship where they've abducted tons of people over time and you're all there at one time and uh, you get to fight the aliens and, and get yourself back to uh, to to Earth, which you can watch, look at Earth the whole time. But uh, it adds a lot of lore and it's really neat. It's a neat perspective. Mothership Zeta was Mothership my favorite. Zeta was great. Yeah. Uh, number four, Point Lookout. Man, 
It was an old spy versus spy story hidden on a Silent Hill island with side quests that involved hunting humans and the Necronomicon, just to name a few. It was really cool. Um, it was a great setting and a really twisting main story. Number three, Broken Steel, is an expansion, um, which I'm naming these backwards as they really should have been in the game in the first place. But. Broken Steel, an expansion of the game, allowing you to play further and see what happens next in the Brotherhood Steel slash Enclave War. Uh, if you chose to sacrifice yourself, this weakens the choice uh, because then all of a sudden um, you didn't die. You lived. Well, I always had Fox and it's just, you can just do it. Yeah, that's my Fox I didn't see best. why that was a bad choice yeah. ever. It was like, you're, you're not going to die. And yeah. So, Fox is the best. Can we, can we just do that? I'm glad we've decided But they Fox would always the act like, wow, okay. <laughs> wow, Kinda. what a piece of crap you are. <laughs> what a piece of crap. You're asking someone who's completely immune to this radiation to go in there and not die yourself. Um, the cool orbital strike, though, is kind of worth it, though. It's yeah. kind of worth it. Um, uh, also, Vegas. New Vegas could have benefited from a DLC like this. I really would have liked... Just like, hey, you don't have to change much, but let me just see what could happen if, you know, what my choice... Like, just let me see. Just let me see it. Um, and then uh, the pit, the last working steel mill in Pittsburgh, taken over by a former Brotherhood Steel agent that was abandoned there. And he becomes a raider boss. He takes slaves. He uh, tries to build a new empire. It was a really complex story. Like he wasn't really evil. He only had to use slaves to build the empire. Then he'd make them free. It's like, what are you really saying, sir? And the cure to the sickness that everyone had uh, was a really interesting twist too. And then of course the first one that it released was Operation Anchorage. Um, it was the most shooter this franchise has ever gotten. Mm -hmm. um, the DLC lacked what it lacked in RPG elements. Um, it yeah, actually made up for it in some kick-ass armor. You made up for it in armor and showed us where a lot of lore started. And it was really neat. I really liked it. But um, Lee, your favorite DLCs from New Vegas. So New well, Vegas. Talk about yes. New Vegas actually has the weakest DLCs, in my opinion, of the uh, of the of the game. Who do you think has the strongest? Uh, Fallout Four, hands down. Dang um, it! I don't win. So no, no, no. Well, hear me out. New Vegas has the weakest DLC, depending on what you're expecting out of them. Yes. If you're okay. expecting them to be the exact same game, you will be disappointed. Yes. The DLCs you have to think of as separate modules that give you a different thing. Um, because with that, like, for instance, uh, I'm just going to start off on something that is still DLC, and that is the weapon and armor packs. So depending on your pre-order bonuses, and you could just buy them too and stuff, you could actually start off with a character build as, you know, someone you want. If you wanted to be, like, a tribal-type person with throwing spears and this and that, or you wanted to have metal armor, and, you know, you... So the weapon and armor packs were really cool, especially because... This was in an era before there were loot boxes and a lot of microtransactions. Yep. So it was nice to be able to get a lot of stuff to sell or to have. You know, if you wanted to role play as like a former vault dweller and have that kind of like stuff, you kind of had those options. So I thought that was nice. Um, Old World Blues, ultimately, I think is the best DLC, especially if you love old 50s B-movie sci-fi stuff. Old World Blues is fucking incredible uh, because it has all of it and in spades. Um, the setting is hilarious. You really, uh, I, I played with a mod called Daughter of Ares, um, to where I was actually a robot, and it made a lot more sense of why my brain and stuff could be out in these jars and I could still be functioning, but it was still one of those funny choices where you're arguing with your own brain, uh, and it's, you know, very fun. It has, like, a very, very campy, uh, feel to it. Honest Hearts was very interesting because... Uh, you could, in fact, fuck it up really bad at the very beginning and not have any quests. Uh, and I did that one time. I accidentally targeted Follows Chalk and Vats at the very first start and killed him 
which turns every faction hostile against you, and then your only quest is to walk from one end of the map to the other to leave. And I thought, wow, this is the stupidest DLC. <laughs> it was only like two years later when I was replaying it, and I didn't kill him that I realized, oh wow, here's a quest giver. And I ended up doing all of the quests. Yeah. Now, that being said, it has a much more tribal feel to it. So if you are like wanting big plasma weapons and stuff from a DLC and all that kind of stuff, that's nah, not for you. That's not what this is. It's more for the people that like hardcore mode. They like moving from camp to camp and settlement to settlement, having you know new enemies like the Yawgwire back from you know Fallout Three in it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Dead Money is personally my least favorite. I think it sucks. It's the worst However, thing ever. I understand why some people like it. It is a very hardcore survival. Uh, type feel to it. Dark Souls. Um, yes, if you like, if you wanted Dark Souls with a gun, you have dead money. Um, it was just to where the atmosphere could kill you. Um, the companions are all very different, and they will all fuck you over in completely different ways. Uh, however, the good ending in that one is very rewarding if you can like manage to manage to get it. But you uh, you have to pass a lot of checks t- uh, to get there. Um, I do like with the divide as well, going through all of the DLCs that they all tie in together. Um, once the divide was released, all the DLCs added one final line at the uh, wrap-up screen to kind of tie them into this ultimate showdown between the you know the two couriers and stuff like that, and uh, really just you know brand new enemies, brand new setting, a lot of tough choices. But DLC overall is not bad. However, if you go in expecting it to be exactly like the base game, just more of it, it's really not. That's or not what they decided anything. to do. Yeah, it's really not what they decided to do. Um, but that's that's DLC for me. All right, Josh, your DLC to the best well. DLC. Yeah. Uh, so you have your you know uh, DLCs to add to the map, which would be Nuka World and uh, Far Harbor. But what I actually appreciated the most were the ones that added gameplay actually to the entire world, um, like. Uh, uh, but how do you say it? Automata. Automata. Uh, near Automata? Yeah. But adding that mechanism was really cool in homage to Fallout 3 with the ability to build your own rock robots and uh, yes. have them in your settlements, have them you know, do your bidding. Uh, added, again, one of my favorite things, the, the crafting uh, mechanic added that to the game. Uh, and um, with that, also uh, the Baltic Workshop. Um, yeah. More... Ability to build and subtly quests, yeah, to yeah. get you ready to build your own vault. Yeah, yeah. My my favorite of them though is what adds to the game, like not map wise or quest wise, but mechanics wise. Yeah. Uh, and then you had um, your uh, wasteland workshops, uh, which you know added more stuff for you. Yeah, because you like selling build them. That's your yeah. main draw. That, that's my main thing. So, so yeah. Yeah, which um, Far Harbor was a great DLC that served like an origin of Nick Valentine. Yeah, and I feel like too many people got upset at the workshops and stuff for the people who didn't like the settlement building. Nuka World and Far Harbor both added so much content on their own that most other games, would, that would have been like three or four DLCs worth. I'm so I really don't it. think there's anything to complain about. Literally wearing a Nuka World hat, and I love the different parks they had in Nuka World. Mm-hmm. It was very well done. But that leads us to our final main segment, which is the main story quests are five favorite or at most five favorite parts of the main story (laughs) 
Uh, I'll start with Fallout 3. Its main story, of course, was um, you're a kid who's uh, a teenager whose dad's broke out of a vault. you got to go find him, and then he's got to fight this big monster with his armor. Um, anyway, uh, of course, number one, um, just reading them in order. Uh, son trying to find his or save his dad. Uh, it, was really, it was simple, it was pure, but it was heart-wrenching. And you already get to know your dad through a lot of, like, growing up stages, like a birthday party, birth, all kinds of just dumb stuff, like him tr giving you the gun. It's just, like, and it's Liam Neeson. He just has that voice. Right? He really portrayed, like, he cares about you. Like, he can play an action star, yes, but at this point, at Fallout 3, when it released, we weren't used to taking Liam Neeson. We were used to drama actor Liam Neeson. And you really just kind of fell in love with him. Uh, number two, uh, Three Dog, um, as your world commentator, and also having that mission, like you make it to Three Dog, he's been commentating the world for you this whole time. You make it to him, and he has a mission that introduces you to the Brotherhood of Steel, and introduces you to most likely your first super human or super mutant behemoth, uh, which was a really neat quest. Um, number three favorite part of the main quest was the main story, showing like a VR vault where they were all in Tranquility Lane, and that was just a really cool. It's like a vault. It's like a meta vault. Like this guy taking over a vault and made it into a different type of vault. Like he put these people in this VR world, and some of them are probably dead in real life, but they're still living through this machine that keeps them in this VR world. Um, uh, then uh, number four, the father sacrificing himself and trusting his son to carry on the legacy. When you see that scene, you're kind of trapped behind glass you can't do anything about it it's just it sucks it really sucks because i didn't think that he was going to die but they did it especially when i first played fallout 3 there's no reason why i would have thought that he was going to die uh number five at the end you sacrifice yourself or a friend false and you save the capital wasteland really good ending especially if you didn't want to continue the story it was a really good ending yeah kill yourself for the the betterment of all of this whole wasteland it's all suff suffering you could save all of that you just have to sacrifice you seeing the better other side. And I thought that was a really neat ending. So that's my five main points to talk about with the main story of Fallout 3. Lee, Fallout New Vegas, this main story has a lot of branches. Uh, what five are you going to choose? The main story does have a lot of branches. Um, and overall, I just wanted to talk about it as a concept itself. Okay. So the main story is very interesting in New Vegas because it feels like it's going to go on whether or not you participate. Uh, the story very much feels like a story, and it does not involve you. You are not magic protagonist person and stuff like that. Uh, the main story is going to happen, and you can choose whether or not you want to be a part of it, basically. Um, but there's so many different factions, and the best part about the game is you can really say fuck you to all of them. You, <laughs> you don't have to help any of them. You don't have to choose any of them. Um, the overall arch arching theme for uh, you know, New Vegas is revenge. Maybe. Yeah. You know, by the time Ring -a -ding -ding, you, baby. by the time you get to Benny, you may not really care anymore or you may want to hear him out. Uh, there's just a lot of different factors that can go on, so even the main quest it puts in front of you, the carrot, you can just ignore and not care about. And then eventually, hey, maybe maybe I'll link up to it, who knows. Um, so that's one of the things I really thought was interesting. I thought um, the only thing that was sad was that there was a lot more Legion content that they were supposed to have that got cut. Um, I think JSR's mod actually adds that back in. And, you know, there's, like, quite a few that kind of flesh it out a little bit more. Yeah. But it's very interesting when you're doing the main uh, story as a good character, and then ultimately you end up siding with the Legion because you get a very different feel. You end up actually influencing the Legion and changing it from a marauding army and stuff like that to 
feeling like an empire and they print coins with your face on it and all kinds of crazy stuff and it's just it's very weird to influence a main story in that way of you know you're basically just a dude you're just a dude that got shot what like who are you you're not you're not a famous child of whoever you're not anyone special you're just you were a backup courier. You're literally a delivery person. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very interesting the way that they tie it and the fact that you have the NCR, you have the Legion, you have Mr. House, and then you have Yes Man. You know, you can just do whatever you want. And ultimately, all of them are the wrong choice and all of them are the right choice. It's just very, very interesting, like, depending on what you want to do. But there really is nothing more satisfying than making your choice... And then telling the other like factions to basically fuck off at the end because I don't need you. And the fact that you can even recruit the Brotherhood of Steel and the Enclave to help you and crazy, you know, uh, tribalistic, uh, you know, crew with like the cons. with birds like of you know death and steel, aka planes, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that come to you, and then the cons and stuff. So you can really get more people on your side by screwing over the main factions. It's just interesting to me. That is very cool, but. Press X to Sean! Okay, um, so, well, for me, the main story wasn't my main obsession with the game. It was, again, like the, the game mechanics and the building. But I'll go through uh, the five uh, highlights, the main story. It was like The Sims with, like, extra content for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. First-person Sims. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, um, You start out just kind of like in Fallout 3, you know, Vault Dweller, you're unleashed into this world. Uh, except you can feel a lot more attached to this world than in 3. Yeah, even though you're a synth because you were replaced. <laughs> Um, because you were, you lived in this world before, and you saw it, you, you, this was your neighborhood that you're overlooking, and now you're seeing everything completely destroyed. You fought for your country, you fought in the war, and now you see your country destroyed. So your character comes out much more attached than any other, uh, any other character. Especially since they're a synth, it's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Well, uh, you have that, so before you have a pit fan <laughs> you're a synth. I'm sorry, it's just uh, fact. All right, second highlight I'll go through is um, you're trying to find Kellogg and rescuing your son, obviously. Uh, and from there, uh, you rummage through uh, what's left of Kellogg's brain and you, you find um, uh, very foreboding memories. Uh, you get to interact um, with the thought processes followed by uh, the creepy resonance of uh, Nick Valentine's head. Um, yeah, that's and, messed up. Uh, okay, going on from there, uh, you have um, the glowing sea. You get to go past the map lines to the glowing sea and you find Virgil, super smart. Um, super mutant, the very few that there are in the world, uh, who used to work for your, uh, the Institute. Uh, and he'll give you info on helping him find a cure, um, which is pretty dope. Uh, and then number five, the best part would have to be Optimus. Uh, no, Optimus Prime. Uh, Optimus Prime, you're right. Oh, yes. I, I, I was you're thinking. Wrong. Yeah. Liberty Prime. Yeah. So good. Uh, so I, I will say that fun. the choice in Fallout 4 is a lot of fun, too. Uh, getting to do the Minutemen like, part is pretty interesting. Like, interesting to, you know, especially because. Yeah. Um, there was the rumor that Sturgis is actually a synth because he knows too much about various technology and where it's at, and he knew exactly how to blow up the Institute and stuff and the way he feels about it, and he's wearing, like, the same clothes as Tinker Tom, and there's, like, all this crazy stuff that people have. I'm like, what? And I'm like, wait a minute, it doesn't make much sense that, you know, a handyman with an Elvis haircut would know how to blow up the Institute, but whatever. I guess it works. From where you're kneeling must seem like an 18-carat run of bad luck. Truth is, the game was rigged from the start. So, um, let's, uh, alright, let's all choose one thing from each game that we didn't debate for that we like. Game mechanic or whatever. Um, like if I had to do it, for example, Fallout 4, 
My favorite thing is the voice protagonist. I really like that. Um, I don't need every game to do the Legend of Zelda style, like where I don't hear my own voices and stuff. Um, and with Fallout New Vegas, uh, my favorite thing is actually the karma system being sacrificed slightly for individual karma, because like you said, you can be a really good character that screws over a certain faction and they see you as evil. That is real life. You can be a really good person that has done wrong or done opposite of one person and they will forever, or at least un unless you rectify it, they you will have, see you, you as evil. You have to be prepared for some people to be wrong about you. Yeah. You get exactly, and that's great. And I love those two things. Lee, if you had to choose something from Fallout 3 and Fallout 4, what would you choose? One thing from each. Uh, Fallout 3, I would have to say the... Uh... It's okay, there's nothing. It's no, okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I think uh, I, liked, I liked the random attacks, depending on your karma and stuff. I thought that was kind of cool, like the reputation system, like depending, like you may be attacked by bounty hunters or yep. you know something like that. that. I thought that was kind of a nice little thing, and I'd like to see that kind of implemented like a different way in Fallout, maybe, of like having like like your reputation matters. I always thought that was kind of cool. Uh, in Fallout Four, I would definitely say um, the dialogue camera itself, like the way that it frames it in in a scene. I yep. like that. I don't necessarily. Um, like the limitation on the choices but i would definitely say the dialogue camera and just overall just the graphics are really good like you know people can crap on graphics all they want to but i don't think there's anything wrong with that fallout 4 of course i'm a piece of crap and i played on a 1080 ti but you know maybe maybe i'm biased but i think like the game looked fine it looked gorgeous too you know yeah. all right josh fallout new vegas and fallout 3 one thing for each well it's kind of hard for three, um, but okay, I'll, I'll credit this to three, and then on something else that, so that Vegas has, but I'll credit Vegas something else. Um, the the karma system, instead of just the like this companion likes you this much or this, right. I really like the how society looked at you. Yeah, Fallout New Vegas did it better, but I'm gonna give something else to New Vegas. Um, God dang it. <laughs> backhanded compliments. I'll have to say like what he said about the ballistics uh, and the ammo crafting and everything would have made it a lot more enjoyable. At least the option. You can turn it off, but at least the option. Like, yeah, it'd been it's nice never going to hurt you to have too many options. Because people can turn options off. That's why they're an option. Well, Rambler, it's a royal flush that beats all. So let's crown this hand. Now, our last bonus segment. Bots. 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 <laughs> Lee has been chanting Bots. this just like this. I've been silencing him somehow <laughs> uh, for the entire podcast. Um, but we're getting to mods. I have one. I'm going to make it easy on me. I have one that I want to shout out because I think it's very important to history. I don't know why they changed it. The Arlington House in Fallout 3 is not the Arlington House in real life. The Arlington House is very important to our national history. Uh, and this is a game based in America, so the history of America should matter. Uh, I don't know why it was changed. I don't know what. I've heard and I've read, I've watched videos that it's cut content what it originally was supposed to be. Maybe for space, maybe for something else. Maybe they didn't have anything to do with it. But the Arlington House itself is much bigger and grander than this little shack that they give you in that Arlington Cemetery in Fallout 3. So there's a mod. Just go to Nexus Mods, type in Arlington House Restoration, and it makes you Arlington House truly as the Arlington Mansion was now just give it the nuka kind of nuked feeling but it it looks like structurally it is what the Arlington House used to be that's the only one I'm gonna give out because it's super important just in general because I like how accurate a lot of things are in Fallout I just don't know why this one very important to a lot of Americans piece was not accurately portrayed that's it Arlington House restoration that's all Lee I know you got a list uh, I have a couple. Uh, so I would say with New Vegas, a lot of the EMPs are very, very good on it. 
Um, but I'm going to specifically shout out um, a, a couple different ones. So Project Nevada is one of my favorite like yes. mods, and oh, I honestly I believe that without Project Nevada, you would not have had the power armor system the way it is in Fallout yeah. 4. I think it has a lot tied back to Fallout Nevada, mm-hmm. like Project Nevada, like you know just the you know different way that the heads up display looked, the helmets, like just everything about it. The fact that it added like easily uh, like hotkey grenades, uh, and it did all kinds of things that like should have been in the game anyway. As good as New Vegas is, Project Nevada simply makes it better. Uh, number two is all the weapon mods, especially like by Millennia and people like that. There's so many good weapon mods. If, there are. If you have a specific model weapon that you like, like, man, I really like the 6R P226. I'd like to have that in specifically 9mm uh, on this game. Uh, it's, it's there. You can find it. You're like, well, no, that's nice and all, but you know what? I'd actually like to have an M16, but I'd like to have a carbine version that's burst shot. Okay, they probably have that too. Uh, like, there's <laughs> literally all these different weapons that you can find. All of them have very, very good models and stuff. Uh, one thing I would say, too, is the um, body and head mods and, like, hair mods in it, because I feel like that was, like, a, a really good time for modding, like, to, to be able to do this to, like, really push and change your appearance and stuff. Um, I thought that it was, like, you know, really cool at the time that some of them were slutifying, some of them did, like, nudie mods and stuff, but overall just having modders to say, okay, here's the body, let's make it better, here we go. And then also being able to, like, change the clothes to fit them and stuff like that. Yeah. There was a lot of talent that went around. One little one that I thought was interesting was flyable vertebrates. The fact that, yeah, Fallout 4 has them, but New Vegas did it first, and you actually <laughs> have to pilot them. Uh, that's, like, that's just interesting. Like, it, it made the game uh, feel a lot smaller, uh, especially when you get like a vertebrate like, right off the bat, and then you would just kind of like, well, let me just fly over here. Uh, but my absolute favorite mod, personal for New Vegas, um, it's not on the Nexus anymore. You unfortunately have to do a little bit of mod piracy to get it, which I hate, but that's just because of the way mod permissions work and stuff, um, is, Pro- is uh, Project Ares, Daughter of Ares, uh, that kind of thing, where you can actually play as a robot. Um, I love Ghost in the Shell, and the fact that I can play as a character that looks like that, and you know it has like working lights on it that are configurable on the back, um, you know, just like the way that it looks overall, like I loved that mod, it was completely different, and I ended up playing as that type of character in Fallout 4 as well, uh, nice. just because I, I had a character that I loved playing as in um, in Fallout New Vegas so much, and I wanted to carry that over to Fallout 4. But mod-wise, uh, you know, I love it. Sorry, falloutnewvegas.exe has stopped. Um, oh, I just wanted to uh, shout out real quick Fallout New Vegas uh, Nexus mod that puts Jason Voorhees in the game um, because he chases you around and he will knock out all of your NPCs and he'll just keep chasing you and he doesn't stop and it's great especially if you're like well I'm t- kind of done with the game it's like well this will at least add another hour of gameplay because you'll keep going everywhere and he'll just he'll he will plow through New Vegas to get to you it is Jason Takes Manhattan but actually watchable all right, it is great. One fond memory, real quick, is with him with that mod. He forgot it was on. He was at my house one time with his laptop. <laughs> we were both playing Fallout New Vegas, and he had all of the X Men as companions. Or no, he had the companions, and he had them all dressed as various X Men and Avengers. And Jason yeah. Voorhees chased him into a small, tiny building, murked absolutely everyone, and then just kept chasing him across the desert. And it was like, wow, is this a Stephen King movie? This is amazing. That's what it felt like. Uh, okay, my spiel on mods is very short because there's not necessarily one particular. Well, there is one mod, but there's only one mod. And one mod I could uh, point out is the uh, Sims settlements and its expansions that really help. Excellent mod. 
they do help automate uh, settlements, but that doesn't mean it gets rid of the creativity of the settlements. No, in fact, um, I would say it enhances it. Yeah, yeah especially being able to add like power plants and all that kind yeah. of crazy stuff. Uh, and then to go along with that is all of the different... Okay, so it kind of changed modding in general. So when you make a weapon mod now in Fallout 4, you need to think about, okay, how are the people going to customize it? You don't want to like, oh, here's a, um, a PP9 and that's it. You want to like, here's PP9, here's all the customizations you can add to it. So it really changed how they modded because of what people expected from it. Uh, so that's, that's what I appreciate for in this modding community. Right, and see, New Vegas would have, like, you'd have the gun, and then they'd also have, like, a silencer and all this kind of stuff, and it was cool to equip it, but being able to add into where that person has to do it themselves, it is a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. So it makes you feel that sense of uh, pride and accomplishment without loot boxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Strange. That's a strange concept for me. Oh, you're ready to head out? Ready. About time I got out of this place. Let's go. So, no one's managed to put you in the ground yet, Kate? Not yet. Though it isn't for lack of trying. Um, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. That was the end, if you didn't know, of our Fallout, Great Fallout debate. Uh, of course, we didn't really get anywhere. There was no winners or losers. We all win in the end. <laughs> except, except Fallout for Fallout 3. 3. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can find us on all social media <laughs> at Take the Studios and YouTube.com slash Take the Studios. And then we gave you our individual names. If you listen this far, you can hear me sad and depressed because they keep picking on me. Man, what if they were working on a mod where you could play Fallout New Vegas in the Fallout 4 engine? Oh, they wait, aren't they? Are they? They are. They are. Yeah, they, they are. are. Yeah, yeah. They are. that'd be fun. Three. Huh. They're not Fallout 3. Huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.
Country Road.